Hello and welcome to the Top 10 Film Show, the podcast that sets out to create the definitive top 10 list of all your favourite movies. I'm your host Simon Harkness and I'm joined by my co-host Emma Jacobs as we put forward our cases as to why we think the films we'll be discussing today should be considered the top 10 films of all time. Now, it's not just us two, thankfully, because every week we will be introducing a new guest to join us on our mission, as we combine our two guests' favourite 10 films of a specific genre to create the ultimate top 10 movies list. So sit back, relax, put the kettle on, or open a cold one, and enjoy this week's episode of the Top 10 Film Show. Hello, I'm Simon Harkness. I'm Amy Jacobs. And this week we are discussing the top 10 gangster movies of all time and we are delighted to be joined by TV and radio presenter, producer, writer and podcaster. Nope, it's not Alan Partridge, it's my mate Joe Forrester. How are you, man? <laughs> yeah, brat, 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 wagwan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm pretty good Fantastic. actually. <laughs> How are you, man? You good? Yeah, pretty good. Thank you. Pretty good. It's very hot in my flat. Um, so thankfully, Simon, you were kind enough to allow me to keep my fan on um, around my feet because it's, I mean, I'm glistening. <laughs> Eamon's uh, editing this, so, you know. It's lovely. I'm leaving it all in. Do you ever go to ship? Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> nothing but gold, Eamon, nothing but gold. <laughs> <laughs> um, this seems to be the question I ask every guest. Um, did you like that introduction? It was a bit lengthy, but the last time I was on your podcast... Uh, I just want to get my notes up very quickly. You refer to me as, oh yeah, an androgynous sex doll. Wow. <laughs> wow. So I think my introduction was a little bit lengthier, but probably a bit more accurate. I did also as well at one point during that podcast call you a porcelain lady boy. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You did. Do, do you know what it is? I think Simon has just got such a sort of soft, um, almost kind of matte finish to his skin <laughs> and he doesn't he looks like a doll in a very sort of flattering way because he's a very good looking chap um but he's kind of otherworldly and that's, otherworldly. that's what i was going for. i mean I the thought... thing i always notice is his hair always looks exactly just like perfect it never mm. changes it always stays exactly where it is i yeah well weirdly me and joe were recording a thing a couple of months ago and he said i'm starting to look like conan o'brien <laughs> I mean, I can see it with the fringe, the the big, mm. yeah. Well, and thank there you. Are this worse is... people to look like. True. <laughs> I mean, you could have like mm. Donald Trump. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. At some point, my hair is going to go for the full Donald. Um, <laughs> the full thank Donald. You. Thank you for that. But you know, I, li I like that reference. intro. Thank you. I um, I thought you were going to kind of, I thought that was going to be your opportunity to get your own back. But you're not. You're, you're not really a man who has a, a vindictive streak. So I, I misjudged you. Which is great, because we're talking about gangster movies this mm. evening. Um, of all the titles I gave you in the introduction, the glowing introduction, what would you say your favourite is? Because I know you as a presenter. Um, you literally taught me how to present. <laughs> oh, it's very Brokeback Cute. Mountain, isn't it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, Eamon, you can go home for a bit. We're gonna, uh... <laughs> I'll just uh, leave you two to it, shall I? Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I suppose... Um, in in my sort my sort of uh, grandiose and overinflated sense of self worth would rather uh, be called a writer, um, although I've never right. really written anything that's worth <laughs> reading or watching, um, <laughs> including several series for four music, which are just I mean just don't bother, just don't bother. <laughs> um, 
podcaster probably is the, is the one i mean that's my favorite that's my favorite that's i think like you and i have the same opinion i kind of want to i consider success in this industry to be uh liberating yourself from outside interference and i'm at the stage in my life and career where i don't want anyone to tell me what to do anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah freelance the way to go <laughs> yeah that being said if you are listening and you are in the need for sort of a generic presenter i will do anything for cash so. i will do words for money um... yeah <laughs> <laughs> write them or speak for them i'm your man yeah um well speaking of presenting um who has been i mean you've pretty much you've met and interviewed pretty much everyone everyone who i say oh, i'm doing a video with next week you say oh i've met them met him, you've yeah. met everyone <laughs> Who has been your favourite? I know you're a fan of the fan of Tom Cruise, aren't you? Yeah, I'm really, I really liked Tom Cruise because um, when I, I this was when I used to do kind of red carpets and stuff. He um, he he had turned up four hours early for the premiere that he was in, and wow. as you know, Simon, from having done red carpets, getting the talent to turn up at all is <laughs> like pulling teeth. So for someone to turn up, he basically turned up when they were still setting up, and everyone was like, "Is that Tom Cruise?" <laughs> and it was it was December and he spent four hours just rolling around with the fans, getting photos with absolutely everybody. And there was hundreds of people and also made sure that he talked to every single media outlet. So everybody from kind of CNN, Sky News, all those people, all the way down to you've seen it, like the weird one man band who's got the camera tied to his head sort of thing. Like me. No, but like, you know, have you ever I don't know if that guy still does movie premieres, but there was a guy who who literally had a camera on a headband um and i don't know why they let him on the red carpet to be honest <laughs> but, but tom cruise talked to him and that really impressed me um i liked him i really liked uh colin farrell really? because okay. colin, yeah colin colin farrell was really cool um because i walked into the interview and i'd broken my hand um and <laughs> sorry i'm not laughing it, at you breaking your hand it's just i walked in and he was like what have you done there then and I was just like, oh, I've broken my hand. He's like, how'd you do that? It's like, oh, playing football. He's like, mate, the amount of broken bones I got playing football. Me and my brothers would be in the pub afterwards fighting the other team and we'd be brawling with And I was like, not, <laughs> not that, not that so much. <laughs> someone, sta someone, geezer. someone stamped on it, Colin. But I mean, yeah, jo jo kudos on all the fights. <laughs> I mean, it's a good icebreaker, I suppose, you know. It really was, yeah. Yeah. But um, I, I like people who like activate that icebreaker like mm. when we say hi i'm so and so nice to meet i'm like yeah i know who you are but it is nice to meet you thank you it just they kind of put you at ease a bit more have, have mm. i told you my justin bieber story simon uh no, so <laughs> no this, I hear this might be my most unexpected so i was um at soho farmhouse which is like a posh farmhouse place in oxfordshire doing a video uh, with rosie huntington whiteley for a beauty brand um because obviously who are you going to choose to produce that video obviously me because i definitely <laughs> i definitely understood what the face cream did um and at one point there's uh, one of the pr people came up to me and was just like oh my god justin's coming and i'm of a certain age so i was like oh justin timberlake <laughs> and, <laughs> and she was like she was like no no bieber so anyway, so a helicopter lands on the lawn. It was all incredibly glamorous, right? A helicopter lands on the lawn. Justin Bieber gets out with someone who I later found out to be Hayley Baldwin, who I believe is some sort of relation of Alec Baldwin. Um, yeah. 
and they kind of and also his wife yeah it's now his wife. Married, <laughs> now he's, simon you know i'm not very down with celebrity culture <laughs> um i just don't, i don't really know who any of the people are but anyway so they scuttled off kind of into the farmhouse i didn't think i'd see them again anyway later that night we were getting ready to um film the kind of big gala dinner thing and we were standing by the entrance myself and the cameraman and in out of the darkness in a hoodie and jeans bowls justin bieber who mm. who took one look around the entrance hall put a big grin on his face made a beeline for me and the cameraman shook my hand and was like hey man i'm justin and i was like bro i know now then <laughs> I, I was like yeah no. i was like i was like check out my spotify mate trust me i know <laughs> um, and i was like oh, i was right. expecting in sync but i'm pleased it's you justin it's all good <laughs> and i was just like oh you're right man and he was just like so have you guys been here all day and I was like, yeah, man, it's been it's been a pretty long one. He was like, oh, did you see the goats? And I was like, oh, no, I haven't, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't, actually, I haven't actually had a chance to see the goats, Justin. Um, have you seen the Shetland ponies? And he was like, what are those? And I was just like, they're miniature horses. And he turned around to his wife and went, what little horses? Thanks, man. And just bowled off into the dinner. <laughs> that is literally like, wow, Justin Bieber from South Park. That's like a South Park interaction with someone that's amazing it was extraordinary he was so like sort of psychopathically nice i don't know it was (laughs) it was really i really thought he was going to be awful and you know sometimes you just really get it wrong and he Mm. was so so nice oh good on him well from justin bieber (laughs) to bloodthirsty coked off a head gangsters let's uh, use that as a, a seamless link um i'm so excited to hear your lists guys um I mean, I always say to Eamon and our guest, let's hear your list. Leave it up to you two to decide. But Eamon's such a nice guy. I just know he's going to say he'll let Joe go first. You so go Joe, first. let's hear your top you ten list. First, Joe. I'm too <laughs> gracious. It's my, it's my problem. It's gracious. That's the word you use. Okay, so my list is in no particular order. Goodfellas, The Departed, Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, Lockstock, and two smoking barrels, The Godfather, Training Day. This is where it got hard. <laughs> Boys in the Hood. Oh, Casino. Donny Brasco. Now, nice. There is, is one. <laughs> there's one glaring omission. People are going to be saying, "Where's Scarface?" And I'm guessing. I'm guessing. We will come to that because that was the one that I found very, very hard to admit. Uh, yeah, yeah. I hope we circle back to it because I've got some amazing trivia for you. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> when when I was doing mine with uh, sending it to Simon, I was just like, I have so many here, I can't yep. really decide what to leave out. Um, and I've just realised that Scarface isn't on the list that I've made. <laughs> <laughs> uh, brilliant. Oh. Are we actually so- a film podcast about gangster films and nobody's going to put Scarface in their list. Know, That's mental. Simon, you're well, now doing a list and you're putting Scarface on it. <laughs> That's fine. I've, I, yeah, Scarface is going in my list. As we're talking about it, please, can I give you my amazing bits of trivia? Mm-hmm. Because uh, we're not really going to have time to go into it. But obviously, Al Pacino is incredible in that movie. Mm-hmm. He plays possibly the most iconic gangster of all time. In uh, sorry, in cinema's history, um, he has since said that um, Tony Montana was one of his favorite characters he's ever played. 
wonder why. Pretty cool character. But the best bit of trivia I have is Saddam Hussein's international money laundering operation was called Montana Management, named after Scarface. <laughs> Two What's things it? I didn't think was going to happen in this podcast. <laughs> A, Justin Bieber getting name dropped. <laughs> B, Saddam Hussein getting name dropped. What the fuck? <laughs> it's great, right? Wasn't Saddam's wow. palace in Baghdad quite um, Tony Montana-esque though, wasn't it? It was all like loads of like gaudy gold and diamonds yeah. and stuff so they're quite if you, similar if you've ever seen the devil's double it's kind of about mm. saddam hussein's son and it's very much you know lavish and you know expensive <laughs> the, so. the legacy of tony montana lives on yeah. um Eamon, let's hear your list okay so reservoir dogs no country for old men city of god in bruges the godfather a History of Violence, Snatch, Goodfellas, Eastern Promises, and The Departed. Well, there's a few films that interlink. There's a couple mm. of films on your list. And so so many questions. <laughs> be best. Yeah. Joe's face when uh, you mentioned No Country for Old Men. Joe, go into it. I want to I hear, hear your beef. No Country for Old Men, I suppose, is theoretically a film about organised crime. I'd say it's more of a horror film. Um, Javier Bardem's character I've yes. only seen the film once because okay. I don't want to watch it again because I found <laughs> it but on a serious note I found it quite troubling like you know he's those... very chilling isn't he I mean it's it's it plays with that whole idea of fate and the uh, his coin tosses are mm. terrifying because you do yeah. you, you know that if they get it wrong it's going to be brutal as fuck <laughs> <laughs> he's also a, he's also an absolute unit. Yeah. And you often see films where like the the villain is quite a, a dashing mm. well-built guy, but no one who you think well you could literally pull my head off like if you mm. <laughs> if you wanted to. Much. Um but yeah, you know I mean, what I mean when I say the film it it's a horror film because it gives you absolutely nothing to hope for. It's incredibly bleak. And mm. I suppose there would be more something more overtly about glamour or the aspiration for a better life i know josh brolin's character is trying to steal the money but mm. it doesn't feel mm. like i feel gangster films are in whatever within whatever parameters formulaic in some way and i don't feel it, it fits that framework that's fair but then i guess you could argue a very similar thing for goodfellas because he's always wanted to be a gangster he's always wanted the money what does Josh Brolin's character want in No Creature for Old Men? He just wants the money. It's two very different character arcs. I completely, mm. no, I'm not saying they're the same, but I, you know, you can see that sort of framework. But um, I just, I think as, what it does as a crime thriller works perfectly. Um, mm. And introducing that sort of stalker, uh, Terminator, almost Michael Myers aspect into it, I found really, really interesting and fascinating. And like I say, mm. Javier Bardem, creepy, creepy bastard. Um, also, like, have we ever seen that haircut in any other film ever? Mate, my <laughs> next question was going to be, is it the best haircut or the worst haircut of any cinema villain of all time? Uh, quite possibly best and worst. It's horrendous. It's awful. But it's yeah, quite Boogie you know, isn't it? it it's... it's... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's Primark Boogie Nights. 
<laughs> but it's like you know his, I mean, his whole pipe gun the bolt gun that is yeah. just terrifying but yeah. so unique like again it's something i've never seen before you know used in such a way like this um and i just i just loved it from start to finish um and was just gripped the entire time so it's like the perfect cat and mouse film in my opinion mm. um and like you said the shotgun bolt's just incredible like, that's a they like you see it being used pretty much is it like the second or third scene like it's very mm, early yeah. doors you see it yeah, the yeah. first time with a huge um, amount of blood oh yes, yes. <laughs> oh yes for for me it's my favorite coen brothers film okay bold wow nice just gonna chuck that out there fair i appreciate that cool right because i was gonna say not fargo which is I like mean, i mean and fargo, fargo was my go-to a, to be honest would have mm. a place on this list as well right that's a gangster film yeah but now because the series has come out i'm a little bit conflicted as to which i prefer more because the mm. ser- fargo as a series is just phenomenal it just gets yep. better each time um but yeah i don't know that's kind of the only reason i left it off was because i was really like conflicted about where it lies between the two because they are very different obviously aside from that first series but i don't know it's kind of it's not gone down in my estimations but i really loved what they did with uh, billy bob thornton and um mm. martin freeman in the show so mm. martin freeman's an absolute legend isn't you, he? you've had too <laughs> much of a good thing anything. that's the problem <laughs> yeah, true um, very true <laughs> So there's a, we're going to move on. There's a couple of directors who appear on both lists. Um, we're going to get into one of them later on. Um, but Quentin Tarantino appears on both of your lists. Mm. Um, however, two of his films appear in Joe's and one appears on Eamon's. Uh, Joe, talk to me about Pulp Fiction. Well, I mean, the, pulp, the reason I included Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, I prefer Pulp Fiction as a film. Um, mm. it's it's just wildly entertaining and obviously the kind of the shift in narrative not only kind of from the uh, the characters perspectives but the shift in narrative in terms of jumping around with the timeline um, I think it's absolutely I mean it's so so watchable and it feels very much like what it is it feels like Pulp Fiction it feels like that kind of 1930s trashy page turner novel which is obviously the kind of thing it's um that it's kind of based on it's also got this incredible i suppose cast of characters i like any film that gives you little vignettes into people's lives so everything i suppose from um samuel l jackson and john travolta's sort of workaday quite downtrodden gangsters to the boxer who won't throw one last fight to even down to the mob boss getting bummed with a strap on in the basement <laughs> of a pawn shop um, by some sex fetishists. It's, it's the best way I've ever heard that scene described. But <laughs> I mean, it's just, uh, that is just entirely factual. Uh, <laughs> Say what you see. Uh, <laughs> but Marcello it's just, Wallace. It's these kind of, it's one of these films that made me want to go to Los Angeles, um, mm. which, I mean, not that it shows Los Angeles in a particularly good light, <laughs> but it is just these vignettes into this world that you have absolutely no idea of. And as with all Tarantino films, the dialogue really crackles. The music's brilliant. Mm. Um, the colour palette is fantastic. It looks amazing. Reservoir Dogs is obviously done a lot cheaper because it was his first proper feature. Um, so that's why it's predominantly just set in one room. And mm. in a way, it's probably a better film because... Aim it, yeah. So yeah. 
the quality of writing required to keep a movie going for two hours when it's just dialogue and you've missed the action because it's all set after the action is extraordinary. Um, and obviously as well, it's got Michael Madsen's um, amazing... Uh, Michael Madsen or Michael Manson? Michael Madsen. Madsen. Um, Madsen. Madsen. Yeah. yeah. Ma Michael Madsen is the guy from Halloween, right? No. no that's Michael Myers. Myers. That's my, Michael, Michael Myers. Michael Myers. <laughs> Mike Myers. <laughs> Shrek. <laughs> I, I'm thinking of someone else. Okay, anyway. Um, so, Mike, that's that. I mean, that's that's not making it in, is it? Um, but, but, but Michael Madsen's scene with obviously um, uh, Steeler's Wheel stuck in the middle. Um, Classic. Playing while he's cutting off the cop's ear is just horrific, but rivetingly beautiful as well. The, the amount of times that scene is referenced in pop culture since as well mm. the amount of times that has been referenced it just shows how iconic a scene it is um Aima, pulp fiction doesn't feature on your list but reservoir dogs does yes. so to me that says you think reservoir dogs is the better film now i i'm very similar on this to you joe like pulp fiction for me yeah, i prefer it as a film but mm. as a gangster film um i think it's too it, it's got too much like hyper realism in it if this makes any sense probably not even the phrase that i mean it's a bit comic book it's very very comic book um mm. you know the whole i mean it's a great moment when he's in the pawn shop and he's cycling through all these weapons and just trying them out and you can hear them screaming downstairs it's it's comical it's <laughs> hilarious and it's like that doesn't feel like gritty realism that's like black comedy not not quite slapstick obviously but it just felt a little bit too um uh genre inspired rather than purely gangster however i do like if i was going to pick out the two what i was going to watch tonight it would be pulp fiction yeah. um like every other film bro ever uh, <laughs> but <laughs> reservoir dogs for me like you say the whole one room i'm a sucker for that you know a single location just with a with a cast um and just keeping the action in one place i'm a sucker for that um you know buried with ryan reynolds is another example completely different film genre but um you know i just think you've got this fantastic group of characters that you get to know within the first five minutes and then it's like cool yeah they're gone you don't need to know mm. them anymore that they're not the focus um and i just uh i think the first time i watched it you know you are continually guessing about who's the mole or whatever. Um, and I, I think, you know, Harvey Keitel's performance in it, top notch. The fact that it's now referenced in bloody, what is it? Um, is it it's not money supermarket adverts. Oh, win di direct line. Oh yes. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of, you know, <laughs> his Winston Wolf from Pulp Fiction is now in that. But I think, again, that's, that's so funny. Cause you're like, haha, it's Harvey Keitel. But in mm. so Reservoir Dogs, it's just, so unflinching and intense that it's the better performance do you know what i mean so that's yeah, that's kind I, of why i, I left port fiction off fair enough i so i saw reservoir dogs it must have been like maybe the fourth or fifth tarantino film i've mm. seen and i guessed who the mole was nice so i don't know whether that's because i'm more in tune to his way of directing and his filmmaking style Obviously, when um, Reservoir Dogs came out, it was his first, it was his directorial debut. So I can imagine that must have been like, what? No. <laughs> but obviously, I've got the I've got the benefit of knowing and of watched having watched 
mm. his uh, films before. I was able to guess it, but still, it's an incredible movie. Um, and just because I twigged or had an inkling who the mole was, it doesn't take any sort of shine away from it. I mean, um, I, I saw it, uh, like most films, probably a lot earlier than I should have done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I can't remember if I if I guessed it or if I didn't twig it or what. I'm not sure, but um, mm. I just, I love that reveal. I think it's perfect. I think it's such yeah. a good moment. But um, I think I mean, my favorite moment is the is the stuck in the middle with you scene. It's fantastic. Oh, without a doubt. It's just mm. oh, yeah. One of one of the films we spoke about last week um, was Shaun of the Dead. Mm. I have a very quick question for you. Do you think? Um, don't point that gun at Barbara. Don't point that gun at my mum. Is a reference to Reservoir Dogs. I would love to think so. <laughs> I really hope. I so. really <laughs> hope so. And obviously with Edgar Wright, I mean, chances are it probably is. Yeah, Joe. Um, potentially. Well, obviously, I mean, you know my feelings on Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, anyway, Simon. So. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe because those films are so. Um, uh, reverential aren't they and i've been re-watching all of spaced recently nice um, great choice which is just one of my favorite tv shows of all time and it's just jam-packed with movie references um real classic movie references well everything from kind of like a silent shootout on a camden street i mean it's just <laughs> so yeah you're right edgar wright is gonna i think is gonna put something like that that only about 10 people on earth will get into one of his yeah. movies so that's uh tarantino two films that appear on his list mm. um there's another director whose films appear on your list and that is martin scorsese in my opinion the godfather of cinema i think he's a genius mm -hmm. and he is when you think of gangster films you think of martin scorsese directing them how much of a legacy has he left in this genre and in filmmaking in general a lot <laughs> to put it bluntly yeah i mean yeah. that's a big question simon um i like it you, you summed it up quite nicely when saying you do think yeah he's synonymous with the genre um arguably if not more so than you know francis ford coppola and the godfather um because things like goodfellas and you know things like the departed which i'm sure we'll go into later on have just become like the bar for like gangster movies and organized crime movies and how to um depicts like morally ambiguous character well not ambiguous <laughs> morally horrific people um in such an entertaining way um that compels the audience to to like root for them almost and uh you know get away with it whatever heist or crime or murder they've committed um and i think it's down to to people like you know fucking my brain's gone blank and i can't think robert de niro jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i just had that awful moment where i was just like Deet! in my brain <laughs> like robert de niro where you know they just become so synonymous that the two become almost mm. indistinguishable um and you know you have things like the irishman where it you had this it was like well de niro scorsese gangsters of course it's going to work do you know what i mean um mm. But I'm su I am surprised that that hasn't made either of our lists as well, actually. The Irishman? Yeah. It feels a, well, bit, like, felt a bit too much like a TV show, I think, because I watched it on Netflix at home for about four days. <laughs> it, was a, it was a limited it series. Pe pe people recommended to do that because um, apparently you just can't watch a film, which is 
almost three hours long these days. Um, it was was it even longer? I think four it was hours. I think it was four hours. Wasn't it? Yeah. Wow. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Joe, I want to. I want to. Well, I was going to yeah. say, and also it, it's got the amazing bit of Robert De Niro at the start is meant to be about 30. And people keep referring <laughs> to him. They keep referring to him as the kid. Uh, the kid over here. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, don't worry, we'll put the kid on it. It's like the kid looks about fucking 75. <laughs> He's got cataracts, for fuck's yeah. sake. Like his eyes are milky. Yeah. Like, if I that's the kid, where's the parent? Because the kid is fucked. <laughs> Meet the parents. paper around for Bob De Niro. Meet the parents. <laughs> Christ. Um... So it's interesting bringing up the Irishman for me. Like I, I said to Eamon, I think the first episode we ever recorded, mm. there was a point um, last year when Beth would come home from work. She'd get home at about quarter to seven. <laughs> and you'd be watching the, the last half an hour of Irishman. Yeah, I'd be watching the last 15 minutes of the Irishman. And she was like, are you watching it again? I was like, yes, because it's phenomenal. However, I don't think the Irishman is as good as um, Goodfellas or Departed. But I, I know that Goodfellas is your favourite film of all time. Yeah. What makes it sit at the top? I think good, I personally think Goodfellas is the greatest film ever made from my own personal perspective. Bold. Because the thing is, the thing about Scorsese is he gives you this window into a world and when you fall into it, fall through the screen into this world, it is already so fully formed. Um, like if you kind of think of the start of, of Goodfellas where... He's talking about, um, as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And he sees all the guys outside the pizza shop or whatever, and he wants to be like them. And then at the end of that little sequence, at the beginning, that montage sequence, he's setting, putting petrol on all these cars kind of in the forecourt in his neighbourhood. He runs away as they explode. He's backlit with all the fire behind him, and it kicks in with, if I could go from rags to riches. And it's sort of thing. In that five minutes, I know absolutely everything about this guy I know about the world he lives in. I know about the people he hangs out with. I know what he wants. I know what his weaknesses are already. I know all of that. And then it's kind of the crash zoom into him sitting with his mates outside the pizza shop playing cards. And he's become what he wanted to. And I think like that world just feels so rich and so evocative. It feels like I'm on the streets in Queens in 1950s. Um, also, I think it's got kind of the perfect story arc in the sense that at the start, it's what he wants he gets to where he wants he realizes it's actually a horrendous world where you can't trust anybody um it's like there's actually a line from donnie brasco which al pacino says um al pacino says donnie in this world uh, you're going alive you come out dead and it's your best friend that does it and it's kind of nothing encapsulates the world of mm. being in the mafia more than that and then the second half of goodfellas is just all is his downward spiral into paranoia drug addiction and eventually the federal witness protection program and <laughs> i just think it's which in- i didn't see coming the first time i saw the film i really Genuinely didn't no i didn't see it so you didn't, didn't know the story coming. of henry hill no 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 i didn't know the story um and obviously as soon as i saw the film i then just did nothing but research mm. it and i got hooked into it um but yeah i i i love goodfellas um i think and... the thing about scorsese as well and that film because there's obviously the really famous tracking shot where he first takes um karen on a date to the copacabana and they go in through the back entrance and they go down the stairs and through the kitchens and everybody knows him and people are sending bottles of champagne over to him and stuff but also from an artistic point of view that's all shot in one take 
with the camera following. Now, this film is done in 1990, so we're not shooting on digital. This is all done on film. Mm. And in terms of using, okay, so what we call um, a gimbal in modern film parlance, which is basically something that has counterweights or hydraulics, depending on how it's built, in order to keep a shot steady. So those were big old fuckers in the old days with big film cameras. <laughs> I believe that's a technical the... term, isn't it? Uh, it big yeah, yeah, I can yeah. just... Just hear Scorsese saying that. I think Orson Welles first said that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so in terms of his artistry, he is just the most exciting filmmaker and really pushes the boundaries. Also, the way he uses music is just amazing. In The Departed, there's a brilliant tracking shot when Leonardo DiCaprio first decides to go undercover and he goes into he goes to jail. Oh, and there's a tracking shot. It goes all along. It shows yeah, you his yeah, journey. It's fantastic. He, he's doing tricep dips in his cell mm -hmm. and the um, Dropkick Murphy shipping up to Boston is playing yeah. underneath it. And it's just so fucking good. And it's yeah. just, you. every time you hear that song, you're like, oh, Yes, Martin. Like, just I, remember, remind you. Yes, Marty. Go I, on. <laughs> go on, son. Go on, son. Um, but he does that as even um, his first feature. So in 1973, he did a film called Mean Streets with Robert De Niro and Harvey mm. Keitel. But that's almost and, yeah. like, not quite a documentary, but it feels ever so slightly a little bit too real, almost. Um, yeah, he's got his parents in it, doesn't he? Well, he's got his parents in this. His mum, his mum is um in Goodfellas as well. Yeah, it's um Tommy's. He plays Tommy Tommy's DeVito's mum. Yeah. yeah. So when um, they're going, when they're trying to get rid of the body, mm. um, of yeah Billy Bats, and they're trying to get rid of the body, and when they're saying like they're looking at the picture, going, does he remind you of someone? Does it look like somebody we know? And they're having dinner at his mum's house, and they've got the body in the boot, and that mm -hmm. they're having a big old laugh about it because it's so hilarious. And then, uh, <laughs> and his, then his dad plays Vinny. Oh, does he? Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. But in, nice, that, but, isn't it? It's quite nice. But, Mom! Yeah, yeah, it is. Mom, yeah. come be Any, in my film, anyone please. Anyone else? <laughs> <laughs> but even Mom, in Mean Streets, want, right, there's this bit at the start of Mean Streets where they first go into the bar and you meet all the characters mm. and Harvey Cotel and Rob De Niro are in there. And as they go in, the camera pans round and you see all these characters in the bar. You're introduced to the neighbourhood, basically. And underneath it, the Renette's Be My Baby is playing. The mm. night we met, I knew... And that's playing, and like... I don't know why that's the perfect song because it's almost like he's being seduced by this world. But just again, in that moment, it's two minutes, one track underneath it, one shot. I know everything I need to know about that world. And some filmmakers don't get there in 90 episodes of TV. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Um, this has very quickly become the uh, Scorsese episode, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, when you're talking about gangster how films, can you not? Think, how, can you, how can you not? How can yeah. you not? And like, I'm not sure there's ever been a on-screen relationship like De Niro and Scorsese. Mm, yeah. Um, which is funny because I'm about to talk about The Departed. And De Niro <laughs> um, so I think The Departed is... It changes from being my favourite film to my second favourite film. Um, yeah. I, I just... I love it. What I goes in instead? Over weekend. Uh, the Dark Knight. Oh, he loves it. You're going on about this in the week. I mean, to be fair, yeah, he, was, I, he was trying to get me to put it in my list. He was like, it's about organised crime, isn't it? I was like, yeah, it is. But like, there's also a dude dressed as a fucking bat and has a tank. Um, Eamon, hey, so. he said to me, oh, Eamon's going to put it in his list. And I was, oh, <laughs> I was, just like, I I mean, was like, well, no, no, mate, because it's a guy in a rubber suit, like driving around in his car that he hides in a cat. Well, Simon it's, it's actually, actually Kevlar plating. Right. It's not rubber, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll leave uh, you off on that one. <laughs> Let's take the Joker out of a Dark Knight and see what a fucking boring film it would be. Well, yeah, obviously, because yeah. he's the main antagonist. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, let's take just... Darth Vader out of Star Wars, and then he's just loads of people on a spaceship. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. But also, like, Batman's whole job is to s- smash organised crime. It, to me, The Dark Knight could be considered a gangster film. We digress. Let's talk about the past. <laughs> I can't believe you tried to trick us, mate. <laughs> Damn it. My plan was spoiled. So close, yeah, um, so far. <laughs> Eamon, I noticed when I was watching Departed over the weekend. Did you um, notice the X's? the X's? Yes. I saw the X's. So good. Especially in the um in the uh elevator at the mm-hmm. end. Which I've seen Departed, it must have been like probably about ten times. The the scene of the elevator right at the end. Amazing. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. And I just feel so bad for Leo. I'm just like, that's oh, not actually the first no. it's not the first X he walks past. Um really? no. So when he's walking through Have you heard this? theory oh okay right so basically um any character that's going to die in the departed walks past or falls past in (laughs) in martin sheen's case um an x (laughs) they will fall past there'll be an x behind them um and so yeah there's a shot of of dicaprio walking through the airport you know he's like i'm done i'm done and like slams his phone Mm. down because flip phones um and the (laughs) the metal girders that are making up the the building or an X behind him. And then obviously in the elevator, there's like this, it's like sellotape, isn't it? It's like gaffer tape. Yeah, to the wall. sellotape. So he gets, he gets X'd twice. Um, but yeah. On top of uh, Matt Damon as well, which is a little bit of a spoiler. But if you haven't seen The Departed, I mean, what have you been doing with Go life? watch The Departed, please, and thank you. <laughs> Fuck. Um, yeah. If you're oh, listening God. to this podcast, there's no way you haven't seen The Departed. Yeah. I would <laughs> certainly it. hope yeah, not. Um, but I'm, I'm um, the same as you, Simon. It, it constantly like in the changes between is it my favorite film is it do you know what i mean it's um it's always been the one constant ever since i've seen it like mm. it's just perfect filmmaking from, from it's a masterpiece it absolutely um you know just again like you say the musical choices shipping up to boston is yeah an absolute banger <laughs> like and I, I love the fact that he uses it twice as well like he's yeah. not afraid he's like cool it's a great song we get him. And We've paid the money for it. We've got the royalties. The I'm getting me fucking money's worth, mate. Like, uh, not that Martin Scorsese sounds like a dickhead northerner, but um, yeah. <laughs> now, now then, um, now then, he... Robert, do you want to be in my new movie? <laughs> <laughs> that was. Not, that was I'm not from Birmingham. Accent, I'm no, I'm sorry. That was. Jesus. That lost its way. Would we say like departed? I don't know. I can't. I can never get the. T- Gone down departed. No, just departed. 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 What I love about um, shipping up to Boston as well is that he plays with it. Mm. So like it, it, it'll be like blasting out really loud, and then it'll just. I'm a sailor. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Cut because it cuts when um, oh, dude, when Jack it. Nicholson screams down the phone, doesn't he? Because it's the tail. Yeah, when to... get rid of the fucking tail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, he he's so just good. a force of nature in that, isn't he? Like, mm. good god, like he's so ferocious and terrifying and sleazy and horrible and yet he's such a joy to watch like you can't mm. take your eyes off i think that's just jack nicholson in general <laughs> there are, true true there's always a bit of a question mark i've had about the departed right because i do think it's a masterpiece but jack nicholson's character is called frank costello yeah right despite being an irish gangster he's <laughs> so he's based on whitey bulger also frank costello is one of is one of the most famous figures in the history of organized crime okay so Frank Frank Costello is the guy who inherited Lucky Luciano's crime family from him. Essentially, he was a guy known as the Prime Minister of Crime in the 1950s. <laughs> now that's somebody, a title. That's a title. For <laughs> that, your CV. But so Google Frank Costello, right? So the, the basically the four men who founded the mafia: Maya Lansky, um, Lucky Luciano, uh, Vito Genovese, and Frank Costello. And 
it's fine i find it very odd that you would name an irish character based on whitey bulger after somebody's very famous italian organized crime figure anyway mm, mm. the real problem with the film is ray winston's boston accent <laughs> it's you were gonna terrible. say that it's yeah. so bad <laughs> it's awful it's so it's bad awful. yeah i know it's uh i think the only word he gets right is douchebag I think that's the only only word where he gets. Hey, hey Frank Shish. <laughs> <laughs> Do that again, please. Show that was wonderful. He's, he's literally he's just like, hey, Frank Shish. You know there's something wrong with you. <laughs> and it's just like, what, Muttley? No, to be fair, I, I do really like his his repeat of the line of the dickhead in the bar. Where he's like, what are you? Got your fucking period. I love it. It's great. It's just. It's great. Oh. It, it wouldn't be the same without no. him because whenever I see him, like, oh, it's because <laughs> oh, he must Winston. have been like, fuck. Ah, <laughs> but Jesus, then must, what have I done? He, I know he likes him because he wanted him to be in the film, didn't he? Mm. But like, mm. I, he must have gone right. Okay, well, obviously, we'll rave. We'll just get you to read the part. And when that happened, just go. Oh, we've just got to find a reason not to. <laughs> Let's say yeah. we'll, we'll put him in the next one because this is just not gonna work. <laughs> just put him in the Irishman. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it'll be, it'll be absolutely fine in that. Oh God. man, so true. I'm so pleased you brought that up. Um, so that's uh, Scorsese and his legacy in this genre. We also need to talk about Francis Ford Coppola mm. and the legacy he has left with The Godfather. Now, interestingly. Uh, you know what it's like with sequels. Oh, Godfather 2. Uh, sequels can never be like The Godfather 2 when in some cases it's actually better than the original. Mm. Neither of you have put Godfather 2 in your list. So no. The Godfather, Godfather is there. Now, hear me out. I, Godfather 2 is a great film. I'm not denying that in the slightest. However, you wouldn't have The Godfather 2 without The Godfather. So, yeah. so I mean, it's kind of... But you can you can improve on a franchise. You can, a, Oh, absolutely i'm not arguing that at all but I, I just think you know it's it's seminal it's it's iconic it is like the godfather of gangster movies if you want to put on the nose yeah, I I... Um, <laughs> but I, uh, it's a good sentiment. you know what i mean you just we wouldn't have yeah. the genre as it is without the godfather i don't think um i think there's, there are, actually... there's, there's tropes and stuff that it sets up um mm. Uh, certainly for American cinema, anyway. Um, maybe not world cinema, but I think you know there's things that follow up in you know the crime boss sort of symbolism that you know is created from from Marlon Brando's incredible. Is is you know what I mean? That's when that's when he had a stroke. Yeah, pretty much. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen performance like that? Because I remember the first time I saw it, like it completely opened my eyes mm. to a different way of acting same i there's there's nothing quite like that but i'm pretty sure there are, there was production problems or something there's some sort of backstory to marlon brando in that film that i can't quite remember off the top of my head it's very similar to the apocalypse now situation where he was <laughs> shot like in half light because he'd put on like a shit ton of weight or put something on. like yeah. that um, he'd like doubled his body yeah weight, didn't he? but there was some sort yeah. of problems behind the scenes and i feel like joe probably knows more about it than i do <laughs> well um i know that he didn't accept his best actor oscar and um sent a uh, native american girl um yes. up at the academy awards to it was a protest it. wasn't it as a protest yeah. Mm. um which yeah fair enough i just sort of thought afterwards <laughs> 
did he then meet her to get the Oscar? Or did she just not take it? Or it's like, or has she now got the Oscar? <laughs> yeah, love the sentiment. Um, can I have it back? Well, no, because just... these things always bother me, like about these grand gestures. I always think about the logistics. <laughs> See, I wonder how that would happen. Did you ring her afterwards and go, right, we've made our point. Now, seriously, I'd quite like my Oscar because I had cotton wool in my mouth for six months. So I've earned it. I, um, I, give are me. you going to use it? Because I'd quite like it back. There, there um. was an issue in production on The Godfather, though, where... Um, they had to clear filming in New York with um, members of the Bonanno and Colombo crime family. So wow, they weren't allowed to film in certain areas of Brooklyn and Manhattan without the blessing of the kind of higher ups in those particular mod fa mob families. And in fact, uh, Coppola was made to take all references to Mafia and La Cosa Nostra out of the script Blimey. by local gangsters because they were still at that point, despite wanting themselves to be glamorized and immortalized on film, they were still denying that there was a criminal conspiracy called La Cosa Nostra. So they were going, it doesn't exist. Well, because it's based on a book, isn't it? Mario Puzzo's book. Yeah. Um, Mario Puzzo's book, which also, you're probably going to cut this, Eamon, but um, Mario Puzzo's book, which has a really weird, like, quite lengthy segment where one of the female characters who's not prominent in the Godfather film goes to Las Vegas to have the elasticity of her vagina um, realigned. I'm not joking, that's real, that's in the book. That's staying and... in, that's great. <laughs> that's a great but, fact. Yeah. Jesus. Weirdly. I think we just found our trainer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but weirdly, Francis Ford Coppola thought that's pr probably not gonna make the final edit. Um... Yeah, I mean, for good reason. That's fantastic. Wow, That's Jesus. amazing. Um, um, but yeah. I think as well what we were saying earlier about the uh, the character arc in um in goodfellas i don't think you get a more well-rounded character arc um in the godfather which is funny because i completely forgot my name michael, michael corleone um, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah thank you thank you joe um yeah that to me is like the seminal mm. character arc in uh, in cinematic history you've got this guy who doesn't want anything to do with um his family he's actively trying to go against what his family do and next thing you know he's uh of the mafia. <laughs> I mean, I suppose the only thing about The Godfather is it's it's an incredible film and it's it's so cinematic. And what I actually didn't like about Godfather Two was all the stuff in Nevada. Like, I actually just want to see. Yeah. I want to see the Robert De Niro stuff. To be honest, like, yeah. I just want to see kind of smoky nineteen tens, nineteen twenties New York, and then nineteen fifties New York in in the case of the Godfather One. That's what I mean because I think especially as Brits, we're kind of in love with American culture. Because and New York, mm. if you've ever been, looks like a film set. We've seen so many movies there. Um, but I think the only yeah. thing about the Godfather is it's intensely unrealistic. So the other gangster films that we've mentioned do have kind of a a um, rooting or a basis in real organized crime, whereas the Godfather is basically it's essentially kind of medieval feudal lords. And then his son comes back from the army and go, oh well, they have shot my dad with his weird bulgy out face um so i'm gonna have to be now the boss of the crime and it's like no that's not really his weird bulgy out face <laughs> as you said one of the, the greatest best... cinematic performances of all time the best description of Marlon Panto ever. <laughs> but, it, but it's just it is it's an intensely unrealistic yeah. film in the world of organized crime mm. but it's actually not it's it's just a it's a brilliant piece of cinema whereas i think something like goodfellas or we mentioned Mean Streets or something like Donnie Brasco or The Departed is mm. actually a lot more realistic, I think. So I think it depends what you want from a film. Mm. Um, I'm also going to say that I think that although Robert De Niro is amazing in Godfather 2, I still miss Brando. I really miss him in the 
in the um, sequel. Mm. I don't know if that's a. I think because he's so shared so theme. synonymous with the franchise, even though again, you yeah. know what I mean, uh, he gets shot yeah. in and his... big shoes for De Niro to yes, fill, right? Like... Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but if anybody could pull it off, it's De Niro. Well so. said. Um, right, so let's uh, move on. We, we've got another. Really, we've got another director who appears in mm. um, both lists, but you have two different films: Lockstock and Snatch. Um, who wants to take the floor and explain why the one is better than the other? I'll be nice, uh, Joe. Go on. So I I thought about Snatch. Mm. Um, See, I <laughs> did you now? Ah. <laughs> I thought about Lockstock quite a lot. Um, I was very conflicted, but yeah, sorry, carry on. I think. I think Snatch is kind of Snatch is to Lockstock what Pulp Fiction is to Reservoir Dogs. Now, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second one is kind of more colourful and in some ways a lot more fun hmm. um, and a lot more knockabout. And it's obviously you got Brad Pitt and there's it's a little bit more silly as well with kind of the dog eating the diamond and all that sort of thing. That feels and very then, Tarantino, doesn't it? Like this long sort of drawn out sort of plot almost. Yeah, and your antagonist, Bricktop, is a lot more of a caricature than Hatchet Harry, and it also should be said a lot better actor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the guy who plays Hatchet Harry, I've never... He's probably a real-life gangster, he's going to come and find us now, me. But um, he's in... I've never seen him in anything before or since. Mm. But I think Lockstock as well is... it's It was such a genre-breaker. Like, mm. no British filmmaker, especially British filmmaker, was making a film like that, and it was kind of... Scorsese-esque in terms of the incredibly choppy editing, um, the real vision just in terms of the colour palette, the browns, the blacks, the greys, um, the use of music. Yet again, that dialogue, I mean, the dialogue is obviously very Tarantino-inspired because they have these conversations which don't necessarily drive the narrative forward but are just good fun mm. anyway. And I think the thing about Guy Ritchie, whether you like him or not, and I actually think he's a very good director, but mm. he's an incredible artist and he's got a real eye for i mean some of the stuff he did in camera so snatch is a good example when benicio del toro's character holds up the diamond yes and, it and then you switches have... and it yeah yeah the barrel of the camera just going straight i love the it. fact Even... that obviously this is a podcast and there's us making the movements with our hands and obviously yeah, the yeah. audience <laughs> isn't gonna be able to see that um <laughs> closed captions we're spinning around our hands. Tape. Um... <laughs> there's even an amazing bit at the start of lock stock where um uh, kind of Bacon and Ed, so Jason Statham and the other guy's character uh, selling, um, uh, basically selling stolen goods before they get chased away by the police. And underneath it, um, Ocean Colour Scene is playing, uh, 100 Mile High City yeah. is playing underneath it. And they sort of come around this stairwell and this bit where it goes, Bacon knew his days of selling moody goods on street corners were numbered. And as he says that, the briefcase with all the stolen gear in it flies open and it cuts to slow-mo. And it's just literally, there's no reason for that to happen whatsoever, except that Guy Ritchie good. could be bothered to do it, to make it. Exactly. He was just like, yeah, because they must have, and this is slow motion again, so he would have shot that film on, he would have done that on film, not digital. So they'd have sat there and gone, oh, why are we doing this? He'd gone, because it all looked cool. Because <laughs> it all looked good, literally. And I think, yeah. like, as a filmmaker, you can really tell the effort that's gone into every frame with that, with Snatch, and I think that's what makes them timeless but i think lockstock's the first and also i think lockstock's probably a better movie snatch is a yeah. bit I sillier think now that you've we have that comparison of reservoir dogs and pulp fiction i kind of actually nailed it i think um but for me snatch is the one that i'd turn to if i was like right i want to watch a fun gangster movie yeah it's going mm. on um 
I mean, Brad Pitt as Mickey. I, I'm so pleased you brought him up. He's just fucking brilliant. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, the the scene where you properly meet him, and I don't mean like his introduction with Stephen Graham and and, um, and Jason Statham. I mean, his first fight. Um, mm. Where it's like this whole build up, and it's like, yep, it's happening. It's going to be great. It's going to be badass. It's just the one punch, and it goes into Golden <laughs> Brown by the Stranglers. Yeah, and it's just fantastic. It's like, oh, now he knows he's fucked, and it's just. Well, he did. Well, because his mum goes, doesn't she? Because you, you obviously think he's going to get battered. Because his mum goes, you know what happens when you fight, Mickey? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Basically, he kills people because he's in that case. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but there's, I think. Did Did anyone else have to put subtitles on? When, um, no, no, <laughs> really, because I tried it. And I was just like, this isn't as fun. This really isn't as I fun. I loved it. You just got this guy going over. You don't really know what's going on. Don't like caravan. It's just amazing. Yeah. yeah. Do you like dogs? Do you like dogs? <laughs> oh yeah, dogs. Like yeah, I like dogs. Dags. Yeah, I like caravans more. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> could do. But that's the thing. It's so quotable. It's like even that bit yeah. right at the beginning where they're um they're cooking sausages outside the caravan. It was two minutes, five minutes ago. Yeah, exactly. I say that all the time. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> five minutes Turkish. <laughs> so oh, good. it's great. Um, I mean, but again, it's just like that eclectic group of characters that are just so like hapless. Do you know what I mean? Um, I mean, you know, when Vinnie Jones gets introduced, you know, pull your socks mm. up. Yeah, yeah, with the Desert Eagle, and again, like you say, with the editing, it's like, oh yeah, the fact that yours says replica on the side and it bashes yeah. along the letters, and, and mine says Desert Eagle point five oh. Again, yeah. editing is fantastic, pure film broy, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, there's just so we... much love that's gone into every frame, and mm. I think like that's really the, and also it's just so much fucking fun. I mean, like the they whole... both, I've... I'm gonna probably. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his last name, but the Rade Z something. I don't know how to pronounce it, but he plays um, the the Russian guy with all the guns. I can't think for the life of me. Oh, Boris the Blade. Boris the Blade. There we go. <laughs> um, and just the you know the running joke of him with like not being able to die, and you know when he yeah, gets hit yeah. by the car with the sack on his head and all that kind of shit, like. Just that feels very Tarantino as well. Just like the constant, oh yeah, it's another callback to this character that's just getting fucked up every two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and when he walks out with a massive rifle, it's like, okay. <laughs> I love it. Guy Ritchie has kind of moved away and, and done different genre Aladdin. films. But like Aladdin, King Arthur, that god-awful film with David Beckham See, in it. See, I've um, got a weird soft spot this... for that. It's terrible and I hate it so much, but I weirdly enjoy it. Wow. I don't know why, because it's uh, shit. Going to be looking for a new co-host. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. fair. <laughs> um, but is, is uh, are films like Lockstock mm. and Snatch and even uh, The Gentleman, is that his bread and butter? Should he ever should he ever steer away from it and do things like Aladdin? Because I really enjoyed his Aladdin. It's hard though, isn't it? Because I suppose as a filmmaker, you want to try different stuff. And just in the same way mm. that we like gangster films, he also like... I like a bit of Beauty and the Beast from time to time. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, so he's obviously got different layers to his personality. I suppose it's a bit like Scorsese. It's like when you're doing something like Kundun, which he did, which actually I rather liked. And I remember watching at school. But I sort of think, don't make a film about the Dalai Lama, mate. Just make a film about gangsters <laughs> in Brooklyn. Like, you're coming. You're taking the piss now. <laughs> yeah. And I think, to be honest, once you've built up as much goodwill as these directors, you can basically do what the fuck you Pretty want. Much. <laughs> much. Unless it tanks, hence like King Arthur. <laughs> um, so, 
Joe, I'm going to talk to you about training day. Yes. King Kong ain't got shit on me. Where does that... <laughs> Where does that lie in the greatest quotes of all time? Well, firstly, can I just say that? Was, Is it on the Mount Rushmore? That was that was like having Denzel in the room. The whitest Denzel impression I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> it was down to you and him for that role. Um, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that character, Alonzo, is mm. amazing. And again, it's I suppose it's got one of the things that I like about lock stock and about snatch and about reservoir dogs and about pulp fiction it's just all these little vignettes it's these kind of windows popping up all over los angeles of this is happening this is happening this is happening this is happening and somehow in the middle of it has bumbled this rookie cop by accident and yeah. his supposed mentor and senior officer is involved in all of it and we don't know how but it shows mm. you again it made me want to go to los angeles <laughs> i don't know why to get shot to death by drug dealers but it's it just it just is an incredible window into this city it's this very i think labyrinthine and sprawling um film as well which i suppose just just has so many different aspects to it and so many false starts and more than anything i think at the center of it obviously is a good script and good dialogue and that sort of thing which mm. is brilliant brilliant acting yes it's got dr dre in it so that's a big thumbs up yes it's got snoop dogg who for some reason's in a wheelchair just to show that he's got range but, <laughs> but it's, there's no reason for snoop dogg's character to be in a wheelchair apart from snoop dogg probably turned up and went oh, i can't be bothered to stand up for a whole day yeah. of filming they're like lads i've i've had a few joints yeah <laughs> yeah I'll be real. I think my character would be in a wheelchair. Yeah, I'm literally because <laughs> I can't feel my legs. I'm the most famous stoner on earth. What did you think yeah. was going to happen when you booked me? <laughs> it's amazing that I'm here. Um, but obviously, it's got that. It's got this incredible soundtrack. I like hip hop anyway. I like West Coast hip hop, and it was kind of a very good mm. time, like early to mid noughties. And it's got Denzel Washington in it, just being incredible. It's got Denzel Washington yeah. in it at his kind of charming and effervescent best where you think man i would follow this guy into the gates of hell and then you realize that he's this oily predator who's manipulating um ethan hawke's character for his own ends but then you also realize he's incredibly desperate because lo, lo and behold the russians are after him which is quite <laughs> bad um but also ethan hawke i think ethan Hawke's a brilliant actor by the way he's a he's a brilliant actor and he's in loads of great movies um he's in a film called predestination which i absolutely love which I think one is of a... the best time travel movies ever made mate a complete underrated classic when i was kind of working doing film reviews and stuff i went to see it and i said everybody go and see this mm. and weirdly my um my show wasn't the cultural beacon that i thought it was because <laughs> i don't think anybody did but i mean because uh, uh, sarah snook's in that as well um from succession and she's incredible yep. i mean those two and that arc is stunning stunning writing it's if not a gangster yeah, film, if, but go watch it. <laughs> if you've never seen it, it is the most bonkers, mm. brilliant film. And mm. it's just wonderful. But yeah, Ethan Hawke's a brilliant actor. And to be honest, Training Day, it's it's a real LA gangster film. I thought about putting Collateral in here as well. Because I think film? that kind of I, I, tells a story. Yeah, but It tells a story about Los Angeles as well, whereas a lot of the mm. films we've, we've had are very New York focused or London focused. Um, but yeah, Training Day, I think, is kind of up there with Pulp Fiction as your Los Angeles gangster film. It's, I, I love Training Day. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, and I think um, what you said about Alfonso, like 
there is a theme. I don't know if anyone's noticed this, but all the films we talk about, there is a central character who is just unbelievably fun to watch. And I guess yeah. it's because gangsters themselves are, I was going to say cheeky. They're not cheeky. I guess they Some are. Some are cheeky chappies. <laughs> they, 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 live, they live their lives in a fairly cheeky way. Um, but I guess at the heart of any gangster, you've got to be enigmatic and you've got to be cunning. Mm. Um, and you've got to have charisma. And I would say... A rule that, breaker as well. A rule breaker. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, those are all the things you want to watch in a character. Um, so there's no surprise that the majority of people and characters we've spoken about um, on these on, on these films and on this list are they're they're very linked shall we say they're very similar um guys that was amazing thank you so much um joe we will let you shoot off in a second but not before i give you the definitive top 10 list <laughs> as as chosen by you <laughs> basically yeah i <laughs> it isn't really a democracy uh, and it never will be um but i've taken on board what you've said and i have got my definitive list in at number 10 Lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. Number nine, no country for old men. Number eight, pulp fiction. Number seven, casino. Number six, reservoir dogs. Number five, training day. Number four, Scarface. Number three, The Departed. Number two, The Godfather. Meaning that number one is Martin Scorsese's Good <laughs> yeah that sound you could hear underneath that was me flicking my wrist <laughs> <LED style. laughs> yeah i'm, I'm happy with that. that it might not be a democracy but i'm happy with it <laughs> yeah, I, I, well originally i thought you're gonna go dark knight mate to be honest so that is, <laughs> <happy>. just <laughs> undercut us both yeah <laughs> oh, genuinely write in if you think the dark knight if you're on my side and say the dark knight is a gangster film because i think it is it's got um, a guy originally, in a bat the, suit come on He's got a butler called Alfred. I can see the tattoos. On... <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, in Goodfellas, um, when he first starts out, he's essentially like a little... Yeah, he's like Alfred at Wayne Manor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a lovely little link there for us all. Um, yeah, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, so the, when we first originally came up with this idea, we thought we'd pit number 10 against number 10. Then we realised that would take hours. Mm. So it basically has become um, less of a democracy, more of what's my favorite films yeah. really uh, <laughs> too, much, too much work but, the other way uh, exactly too much work and people like yourself joe are very busy hence where you have to go thank you so much for uh, coming on the show um i do want to say as well quickly um he's going to embarrass him probably as much as me but genuinely without joe i wouldn't be doing what i'm doing now um he literally <laughs> see, he's smiling wow. and laughing Sorry. um but he, he literally taught me to present um he gave me my first um job on tv for the movie review uh, which was a an ill-fated venture you've called it before but it was really fun i'm the patron saint of cancelled tv shows so <laughs> <laughs> but amen can you imagine this so i moved to london with beth and i get a job in a cafe and like the next day joe says oh you're in london great i've got a tv show I want you to brilliant yeah quit exactly. the cafe so i'm like okay this is amazing yeah. <laughs> got me on shifts <laughs> all week bad. yeah i'm good i'm all right i'll pass <laughs> Um, but through that show uh, I started talking to PR agencies and um, that was how I got into working in film right, mate, it's not the Simon Hartness show Jesus <laughs> but I just want to embarrass him as much as possible no, so thank you very much for coming on Joe no listen mate uh, it's, it's been a pleasure you're, you're one of my favourite humans oh that's sweet 
There Eamon, he thinks you're a twat. Yeah, he's, uh, but... he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Um, <laughs> ruining that sentimental feel uh, with that poor joke. Um, but Joe, thanks so much for coming on, man. It's been it's been wonderful. Um, next week, I believe we're going to be doing top ten sci-fi films. We are films, doing sci-fi right, films. Yes, that is happening. Cool. So <laughs> that is happening. Although it was supposed to be it was, this week, and so I messed up. <laughs> I think that might just get um, keep getting pushed till like the end, and we're like scraping the barrel, like shit, it's horror, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lesson in there yeah. somewhere. We should stop promising people things. Um, thank you so much for listening, Mum and Dad. Thank you for listening. Apologies for the language. Um, <laughs> see you next week. <laughs> Mum and Dad, sorry for the language. <laughs> oh bless him.